Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tiantian with your market view. Now, global equity markets have been rather volatile midweek after stronger than expected US inflation data triggered fears of more aggressive interest rate hikes by the US Fed, some going as far as saying that the Fed would go for a full percentage rate hike next week. But where exactly would the Fed go? And with a number of central banks also set to announce their rate decisions, how will all of that weigh on the economy and the stock market here in Singapore? Joining us as we unpack the recent developments is Carmen Lee, head of OCBC Investment Research. Hi, Carmen, are you there? Hi, thanks. I'm here, yes. Hey, Kamen, thanks for joining us on a Friday afternoon. And uh, Kamen, maybe let's start with the US, right? A stronger than expected inflation data spurring bets that the Fed would step on the brakes further, go for a full one percentage rate hike next week. What do you think? Where do you expect rates to peak? I think as you rightly pointed out, with inflation at this current level, and obviously the number just came out, and I think this took market by surprise, yeah. there's been an increased awareness that most likely next week, possibly we see another 1%. But if you just look at consensus so far, I think most of the numbers are actually still pointing to the fact that it's just going to be a 75% uh, basis uh, hike for the uh, September uh, FOMC meeting. But then what about November then? Because that's when it, I think the market is expecting another round of uh, hikes. And I think based on current consensus number for most of the economists, I think in general, the expectation is that there'll be one round here at 75 basis point, and in November, another round of 75 basis point. So for the peak rates, do you think we'll go beyond 4%? Uh, at this point in time, perhaps not yet, but perhaps next year, early next year, you could possibly see. Because I don't think so, the Fed is done with its hiking yet. And uh, if you look at inflation now, I think there's really a very big concern out there that they want to actually control uh, inflation. So with that in mind, I think that um, the, uh, the, 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 the FOMC meeting is likely to show the tone is going to be a bit more hawkish. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, and Carmen, while the US is expected to be tackling inflation head-on, China is controlling its key rate or holding the key rate or the one-year medium-term lending facility unchanged at 2.75%. What do you think of that decision? Yeah, I think this is actually a very interesting uh, situation. Mm. Because the, the both economies have actually uh, shown a diversion for a couple of months already. Whereby one, one side is obviously tightening and uh, China, on the other hand, is of course having a slightly looser sort of policy. But if you look at it, it's very interesting. I think the August uh, inflation number just came out recently for China and it's only 2.5%. Hmm. And this is actually weaker than what the market was going for, which is 2.7. Uh, targets perhaps about the uh, PBOC is actually targeting about closer to 3%. So if you look at it, actually these two economies are actually showing quite a uh, divergent in terms of uh, not only the economic data as well as even in terms of the whole inflation numbers. So I believe that the Chinese is actually trying to stimulate the economy and uh, keeping rates low could, could be one of the key reasons. China obviously has still got quite a lot of challenges going ahead. Uh, we're talking about COVID uh, lockdown as well, and that's still ongoing. And that could also, in a sense, uh, impact the economy. Uh, we already clearly saw that recently in the export number, which also came off in uh, the recent number that just came off, showed that the export numbers have actually come off. So you're talking about external demand slowing, and domestically, the uh, property market is still very challenging. So uh, these are some of the factors that I think will also continue to ensure that the Chinese government is unlikely to be very aggressive in terms of doing what Americans are doing. In the meantime, you know, to what extent you think these developments will weigh on borrowing costs in Singapore and going forward next week as well? Because we know a number of central banks, Bank of Japan, Bank of England, Swiss National Bank, all set to announce their rate decision. How do you think that will weigh on borrowing costs here? 
Yeah, if you look at the uh, numbers so far in terms of the uh, global growth, I think the World Bank, IMF, uh, several of the key uh, com- uh, forecasters have actually downgraded uh, global growth, and not only that, they've also increased the uh, inflation rate for for the for the global market as well. So in this in this environment, whereby I think you're seeing a lot of central banks actually uh, hiking rates with the accession pass of the uh, Chinese. Uh, Singapore rates, you have noticed since the start of this year, have actually gone up uh, very sharply as well. Too. I think if you look at the SORA, it's also gone up from less than 0.5 to now almost close to uh, 2% as well. So this is actually kind of, in a sense, reflective of the whole uh, global market situation. Singapore is definitely not spared. I think if you look at the uh, what we are seeing now in terms of oil prices, in terms of even some of our consumer goods, we have definitely seen the impact of uh, inflation uh, hitting some of the uh, domestic uh, economy as well. So in, in that sense, I think that uh, the uh, local interest rate environment is likely to, in a sense, follow the uh, U.S. market. Ah, and uh, Carmen, I'm just going to digress slightly. The World Bank said today, or is warning rather, of further risks of uh, a global recession, saying that you know central banks can continue increasing interest rates to quell inflation, but as long as the underlying issues, the supply chain disruptions are not solved, we will still see sticky prices and in the end by raising interest rates that will just hamper growth and cause us to be in a recession, a global recession rather. What do you think of that assessment? That's actually very much in line with our house. We've actually seen high energy. In fact, this whole energy crisis, which of course started out in the in Europe, has actually in a sense impacted um, globally in almost every single market. And so energy is one of the key factors. Uh, as a result, which also you see the inflation has actually gone up. So right. and we, we do not see the situation actually uh, even uh, coming off very soon, anytime soon. So if the situation remains and energy remains at this current level, and un- unless and until we can find a very... Uh, strong and alternative source of energy, the world is still going to be very dependent on the traditional source of energy. And as a result, which that will actually flow through in terms of the uh, impact into the economy. So we kind of agree that uh, I think especially certain economies like the US and Europe, uh, most likely they are actually heading into a recession in 2023. But again, certain uh, pockets of uh, economy outside of these two big regions could possibly have some domestic factors that could also shield them from um, some of these factors. So Singapore traditionally tends to follow the uh, global market as well too. So while, while that is the situation, I think that we've heard from the government as well that they do not see a recession anytime soon. So I think that's a bit of a positive for the Singapore economy as well. Right. So since we're on the topic of recession GDP and all, Singapore set to release inflation print for August next week. What are your expectations and where do you see our GDP for the full year going? Um, our economy is actually projecting uh, 3.5% for this year for the Singapore economy. And I think that if you look at the uh, the factors in the shorter term, I think we're still, we still will see quite a fair, fair bit of challenges. But over the longer term, if you take a look at the uh, region, I think a lot of the uh, Economies that have actually been under lockdown, for example, China, and even in Japan, where they have very strict uh, travel restrictions. I think some of these economies are starting to open up. And uh, with the opening up, there will be opportunities. But this is perhaps more for the medium to longer term. So I think for the next two to three months, we two to three, in fact, two to three quarters even, yeah. I think we're going to see quite a fair bit of softness uh, in this region, Southeast Asia region. But I think going to perhaps into a 24 months sort of uh, outlook, then I think there is that opportunity to also tap into some of these economies that, that are opening or have already started to open as well. And so those are opportunities that we can still uh, depend on for the perhaps medium to longer term. I see. So if you're just tuning in, we are now speaking to Carmen Lee, Head of OCBC Investment Research. Uh, Carmen, in the meantime, how do you think equities, uh, equity market in Singapore will move over the next week? Is it going to be a very volatile week with all the central banks announcing their rate decisions? 
yeah. Unfortunately, it's been very volatile for several weeks now, and I think if you go into next week, uh, it's most likely going to be another uh, volatile right. session. And it doesn't help that I think September historically has always been one of the most volatile months yeah. for equities somehow. Other. Yeah. But uh, having said that, I think if you take a look at it, uh, we've always been fairly uh, uh, cautious because of the fact that uh, this rate hike obviously will mean that risk assets will be impacted. So mm. as risks go higher, risk assets are definitely a lot more volatile. So in that sense, if you look at it, then equity being one of the one of what what I would call as a risk asset, uh, is also likely to be in that category whereby you will see a lot more volatility because of the fact that we have no clarity over the uh, Fed's decision in the next two to three uh, meetings as well. I see. So in that case, how should retail investors here in Singapore be positioning our portfolios in the meantime as we gear up for that deluge of economic developments and economic data next week? Yeah. Well, I think the Singapore market has done uh, fairly well hmm. today. I mean, versus yeah. the um, global markets. Right. I think it's perhaps one of the few markets left uh, that is still showing a positive gain year to date. So mm. uh, fortunately, I think we have quite a fair bit of um, what I would call core sectors. Uh, perhaps uh, they are more um, old economy too, but having said that, they are, they are well established, have strong management, have good track record, and perhaps are in businesses which are a bit more uh, stable. So you've got like telecommunication, utilities, banks, property, etc. So uh, that in a sense put the whole uh, Singapore market in a slightly better uh, position versus some of the perhaps higher growth uh, equity markets. So um, while there will be volatilities in the weeks ahead, I think that if you are going to have a, a, a diversified sort of portfolio, I think Singapore stocks definitely have to form part of that whole diversified portfolio because Singapore stocks can then anchor it, you in terms of the fact that most of the Singapore stocks have a lot less volatility versus a lot, uh, versus most of the uh, global markets. Mm, so banking stocks and telecom stocks. But in the meantime, uh, Carmen, should we be going big on bonds and other asset types in the meantime? I think um, it's not uh, across the board uh, sweep in, uh, in terms of the asset class decision because I think even in the bond space, you do have actually got quite mm. good credit names as well and those have somehow other, uh, done very well. So again, it's back to uh, selection. And I think at this point in time, where there's a lot of uncertainty and uh, all the cases ahead, it's really back to quality. You know, there will always be that flight to safety and quality. And I think this all the more is a period where you have to be very careful in terms of selection and go for quality names that have been around for a long time and that possibly are in a much better position to write out the current uncertainty. So more likely the blue chips line away. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I see. And finally, Carmen, before we go, I want to wrap up by talking about the SGX. We are seeing a number of privatization offers uh, for companies and also some REITs, I believe. Why do you think we are seeing this flurry of offers now and really what's next? I think if you look at it, uh, most of them are actually fairly uh, what, what I would call small mid-cap sort of companies whereby yeah. first, uh, low liquidity in terms of trading liquidity. Secondly, also I think in terms of valuation because they are uh, in the small to mid-cap category, uh, coverage is a bit uh, less than perhaps a big-cap company. So uh, for those reasons, and I think certain uh, shareholders or key founders may find it more viable to actually delist uh, on the rich space, it's actually interesting because I think that that's where you can actually now see the emergence of several very big uh, rich. And uh, hmm. in a sense, that also makes them, uh, they can enjoy a lot more of the economies of scale. So if they're in similar sort of uh, businesses, the asset manager are actually in a much better position if they have a more uh, a wider sort of portfolio. So I think both are quite different reasons. I mean, small market companies, for very obvious reasons, would prefer to be privatized so that they have less um, um, requirement to submit uh, regular sort of uh, reporting. And also, 
because of the lack of the liquidity. For the rich space, it's actually uh, entirely different. I think that's more opportunistic. Mm, so even even as the property market is seeing increasing interest rates, mm. Mm. Um, I think that the, uh, the the property markets, the mortgage rate for residential property, that could possibly impact the uh, residential. But mm. on the rich space, it's quite different because the fact that REITs are governed by a more stringent set of rules whereby there is a cap to the amount of leverage that they can take. Oh, so okay. in that sense, I feel that the REITs are in a much sweeter spot because of the fact that through the last many years of um, uh, working in this sector, they've actually ensured that most of the companies within the REIT space are actually very well uh, capitalized. And not only that, I think in terms of leverage, it's actually at a very manageable level. Ah, I see. Thank you very much, Carmen. That was Carmen Lee, head of OCBC Investment Research. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.